This is Pure West Radio. Across Pembrokeshire, 24 hours a day. This is Pure West Radio.
So good evening and welcome to a wonderful Sunday night here at POS Radio. You're tuned in to me, myself, Lynn Cheryl Perfect with Heart to Heart. And of course, Sundays are not Sundays. As always, with the beautiful, the wonderful Lisa Love. Good evening, Lisa. Oh, good evening, Miss Lynn Perfect. Oh, you you're say a the sweetest thing. <laughs> <laughs> you're a sweetheart. Do you know, I'm so looking forward to tonight. We have got a wonderful show lined up for you. I have to say that we're very fortunate tonight to have the very lovely Fiona Ashman. Um, she She's going to be talking to us about her incredible and amazing story of the animal sanctuary at Lizzie's Barn and the wonderful work that she does and her team does and of course how we can assist and aid as well. But uh, just to kick, sorry, <coughs> just to kick tonight's show off, we have got um, a request, and I have to say that this is for the very special, the wonderful Dorian Davis one, and uh, this is the special song that he. He's requested, which is Born to be Wired.
to be wild there. So coming up in the second half of our show tonight, as always, we do have our Match the Movie to the Music. We also have our healing session, so stay tuned. And of course, if you have any good deeds for the day, let us know. But as we said, we have the very lovely lady joining us, uh, Fiona Ashman from Lizzie's Barn Sanctuary. Good evening, Fiona. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, lovely lady. Please tell all our listeners here at POS Radio about your wonderful and amazing story. Well, where do I start? It started many years ago as a very small child when I found dogs better companions than humans. I'm sure a lot of people could say that, (laughs) that they could find um, animals better than humans, yeah. I have um, late diagnosed um, Asperger's and I guess animals are honest in their communication and I got I got it. (laughs) They say they are carriages, they don't play mind games. Um, But I, I went on as I grew up being more and more involved with dogs. I used to take my own dog to training classes then I started taking everybody else's dogs to training classes as well. Um, I later, I did a lot of training with my own in different doggy disciplines. And I went on and worked in a vet. And that was when I really got involved in rescue because people were bringing dogs in that they didn't want to be to be euthanized. So I, I started with the vet's permission and the owner's permission, taking those dogs home, mm-hmm. working with those issues. And the majority of them were rehomed. So how how did you work with the with the issues that they that they had? Well, basically, the dogs came home with me and lived with my family, and we identified the issues that the dogs were having with their owners. And I'll be honest, usually it was just a really nice people, really nice dog, but a bad match. It, they, you know, um, low energy people with a high energy dog, that sort of thing. Mm. So we rectified the exercise issues, did some basic training, identified the dog's strengths and weaknesses, and worked out a profile for the type of home it needed, and then sought that that home and rehomed it. It worked very, very well, so we wanted to do more. We became involved with um, a rescue in Kent who were bringing back to Sussex, which is where I lived at the time, a lot of Welsh dogs. And there weren't many rescue centres in Wales at the time. And we decided that we would look at the possibility of moving to Wales, which we did, bought some land uh, and started... Uh, decided we would run a sanctuary rather than an outright rehoming centre. We would take dogs in that were troubled, uh, whether they were physically or emotionally broken. We would repair the bits we could. Those that were homeable would be home, but the remainder, provided we could give them a good quality of life, would remain with us for life. And in in turn, they would help us with the new dogs that came in. So it became a rather unusual family. I always used to joke... I'm not sure if if uh, you know, the dogs live in the house or we live in the kennel. <laughs> but how how do you actually address? I mean, for any of our listeners tonight that may be aware that maybe in the past or maybe presently that they have an animal that, um, as you said, has has been broken at some degree. I mean, how do you start to even look or deal with that? Well, the first thing I think about is the things that that we as humans are saying as problems. Are they problems or are are they natural behaviours for a dog? Are they things that that individual actually wants to do or are they things it's doing to avoid things it can't cope with? We often decide, for example, we like to kiss and cuddle our dogs. Mm. 
a lot of dogs like us don't like that. A lot of dogs, what I call hands-off dogs, they're absolutely fabulous if you don't possess them physically. They'll sit with you, they'll put their head on your knee, they'll lay across your feet. But as soon as you put your arms around them and hold them, they panic. And do you think that's because of their experiences then, that they haven't been in that environment perhaps since a puppy? Well, I think it is to a point, but I also think some of these things that we want to do with them aren't really natural behaviours for dogs. And they've got their own individuality. um, And they've caught as well, yes, like us. And I'm sure that, like we have... I mean, some people say that everybody's on the autism spectrum somewhere. Most most people are in the middle. Um, And I would imagine that it's probably similar with dogs some can't get enough human touch and human contact and that doesn't only apply to dogs who've been loved from pre-birth right through to adulthood Mm. you know some stray dogs who've never had nice experiences with humans love contact physical contact some breeds like physical contact more than others some dogs really? are doing dogs really what I mean, sort look of at breeds typical would you say? cavaliers on the whole cavaliers are really affectionate cuddly dogs who want to be around you you take something like a belgian shepherd who wants to be doing mm. i they understand that I, I have to i have to say that i had three king charles cavaliers and um oh my goodness they were the most adorable and loving uh family members that y- you could possibly meet they, they had such beautiful personalities and that's the thing isn't it um yeah you find that animals um that do have their own personalities you you said about some might want that affection i know that as a as a i had t- a kitten and we called her tinkerbell and beautiful um jet black green eyes absolutely absolutely stunning and when I had her she had a little bell around her neck I called her Tinkerbell and off she'd go and I'd call her back and she'd come for food and so forth but I'd pick her up and I'd I'd cuddle her and she'd be okay for a little while she'd be all right if I was taking her to the window to look out but then she liked to go off and do her own adventuring you know and exploring whereas then her son uh, Merlin um, again, he was jet black and had green eyes, and um, that was one of the kittens that I kept. And um, he was he was like a jaguar, but he he really adored being touched and um, cuddled, and he he just loved it, absolutely loved it. So he was a little bit different to his mum. Yeah, it's funny. I have a, a little dog, Pip. She looks like a cross between an Italian greyhound and a. Jackrabbit or something. She was, she's actually a Rottweiler mum and a deerhound, greyhound cross father. She's, but she's tiny. She had a very severe reaction to her first vaccination mm. and had a, as an encephalitis, which actually she was a miracle. She recovered, but she's been left with uh, some physical problems, oh, um, learning problems, and uh, she's only partially sighted but i swear she's autistic she is really light sensitive really touch sensitive she will only sleep properly under a heavy blanket she likes to sleep under the duvet she's eight years old now and she's just started snuggling up to my legs up until a few months ago if i moved and touched her she'd leap in the air and get away just accidental brushing against her you know um she and she's highlighted to me that that you know animals can have learning difficulties and there might be a reason or sometimes it might be uh, they're just not programmed in the same way as the average dog 
Oh, bless them. Well, if any of our listeners tonight have got any uh, questions for Fiona, um, then please do get in touch. You can uh, email us here at POS Radio or, of course, you you can message me on Facebook. You're more than welcome to. We'd love to hear from you and hear your stories um, about your beloved animals. Now, just coming back to your story, Fiona, you were saying that you had this sanctuary that that you then created. And how how did that actually get set up? How did you get known to be having, you know, rescue... We've been running a, a small rescue, as I say, in Sussex, and mm-hmm. we called ourselves Home to Home there. Uh, it was just as the internet days were beginning, and we moved to Wales, and we decided to, it was time to go online, and we discovered there was another rescue called Home to Home in the Midlands, so we changed our name. We called ourselves Lizzie's Barn Sanctuary because um, a, a, a lovely lady who's now deceased um, who had always had greyhounds, wanted to support rescues that were keeping dogs in more home-like environments. And because we lived with the dogs, that was more home-like. So she donated a few thousand pounds, which helped us set up in, in the new site, fencing and, and some work on the building and that sort of thing. And so we called the sanctuary Lizzie's Barn Sanctuary after her last greyhound who was called Lizzie and the first greyhound we had in we called Lizzie as well Um, and it sort of it grew from there Um, we got quite big at one time because I had uh, my children also helping run it but they've obviously all grown up gone their own ways now Um, some are still involved a little bit some live too far away but are doing other animal-y things Um, so now it's basically two of us living there. We both have a batch of dogs living with us. We have one or two little groups of two or um, one permanent singleton and two that are singles at night um, who have outlying areas. They all have buildings with beds and chairs and, and huge outdoor areas as well. Wow. Um, most of them can interact with others at some points. One, one of them, he can't. He's not safe with other dogs, but he's wonderful with the people he knows. Unfortunately, he came with a, a record with the police, came under a court license, and he's not allowed to mix with the public, which is such a shame because a he's shame. the one dog we can ask people to walk, but we can't. <laughs> Yeah. So when you have these, I mean, do you find these animals? Do people bring them to you? Do you get phone calls? um, They come to us from other rescues, from members of the public and through vets and vet nurses. Um, We had one dog from Battersea. He's our famous dog, which is quite funny because when we moved to Wales, we had nine German shepherds living with us. And I trained my own two shepherds. and was quite well known for doing a lot of work with shepherds. And then we had a dog from Battersea um, a few years ago who was on Pog Dogs, um, little Bobby the Chihuahua. So I, my oh. my claim to fame is with a Chihuahua, which <laughs> I, I think most people will back me up. They're oh. much more difficult than a German Shepherd. Yeah, a friend of a friend of mine has a, a Chihuahua, and uh, I, th- I think uh, he's a snappy little thing but adorable i have to say absolutely adorable. Well, i think that's the problem they're too small too cute and we mollycoddle them and we baby them and when they attack our feet when they're 
three months old. They're so <laughs> tiny. We laugh and yeah. we shouldn't. We wouldn't no. if it was a Rottweiler puppy no. or a Great Dane no. puppy. Quite, quite true. Know. Quite true. OK, so just some questions that I, I just wanted to ask you. So yeah. how does your day start? Because I know that you have, I'm very grateful that you're here tonight, but I know that you have um, early starts in the morning, don't you? Yes, we do. We I usually start somewhere around seven unless it's really, really hard. And then I get to stay in bed till eight. But I leap out of bed normally at, at just before seven and uh, start letting the dogs out. Um, and then I go around and feed them all, wash floors, clear up, um, refill feed bins, things like that, um, empty the poo bins, all those sorts of jobs are the first morning jobs then i'll go and have a cup of tea i wake up really early in the morning as long as it's before 6 a.m i get up and very quietly make myself a cup of tea and take it back to bed and pretend i'm having a lion (laughs) (laughs) on wet days all the dogs keep their heads down they don't want to get up they don't want to get up bless them and how many dogs do you have at this moment in time Uh, we've got 41 at the moment wow that is a lot of dogs it's funny doesn't seem like a lot because of the way they live we haven't got a row of 40 kennels you know they're they've got several bedrooms they sleep in in most mostly in groups some sleep with me um some sleep uh, i'm in a mobile home um at night some sleep in the main uh, lounge and barn area and there's some little bedrooms off that and uh, then there's a, a some more in the house with mick um, so it doesn't seem like an awful lot because we're not cleaning 40 kennels every day. Bless you. Well, we've got questions coming in, uh, Fiona, so please stay on the line. We're going to take it away with another track now and uh, we'll be then getting back to those questions. But this is Black Magic. Driving down the 4-5, running all the stop signs. The way you're touching my skin. The way you're making me sin, laying in your backseat. So put your magic on me. Come on, tie me up in your strings. Uh, make me do anything. Yeah, yeah, got me looking hella crazy. Yeah, yeah, got me tripping on you lately. Yeah, I'm under your spell and I'm under your body. Oh, it's like black, black magic. You work your voodoo on me. Things you do to me, yeah. Black, black magic. Uh, just like that. Black, black magic. You work your voodoo on me. Black. Work 
As we said, we do have Fiona joining us on the lines this evening. Um, she is from Lizzie's Barn Sanctuary. And uh, we do have some questions coming in for you, uh, Fiona. Um, one okay. question from Sarah. She says that she's having problems with her dog, Max, mixing with people. Um, do you think that she's just being, or the dog's just being territorial and protective? What is Max? Um, oh, how I, she, old? She hasn't actually said. Let me see if I can message her on. Um, oh, hang on. I mean, if if he's a guarding breed, then he's basically doing what it says on the tin and needs to learn when he needs to guard, when you need him to guard. Um, it might be he's adolescent and he's finding his feet and becoming a little bit insecure. It's quite a complex issue. It's very difficult to give general advice without knowing all the details. If she wants to drop me an email, um, I can try and help, but sometimes she, it's better to have somebody who can see the behaviour. Otherwise, you're relying on an interpretation which could be wrong. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you. And and also wonderful advice. So just to say, uh, Sarah, that the email that you would need is Lizzie's Barn, which is L-I-Z-Z-I-E-S, barn at googlemail.com. That's Lizzie's Barn at googlemail.com. And, and also, if anybody else has um, any uh, questions, um, you can message us here or, of course, you can get in touch with, uh, with Fiona um, on that email address. So, um, as we said, I mean, I guess as well that, you know, if, if there's been a dog that has been um, homed somewhere else before, maybe their experiences would also have that impact as well if it's being territorial yes, or protective. very much. So, but also I believe a lack of experience can actually be worse. If a dog hasn't had the right experiences, it's almost like if you imagine a set of toddler building blocks, you know, the little wooden ones that used to go in a wooden cart that they push along? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. Well, if you've got a full set of bricks, you've got all the tools you need to cope with life. If you've got some bricks missing, they haven't got a clue how to deal with things. And as adults, anything they meet new, or even older puppies, it, it, they're programmed to meet it with fear because it might be dangerous. It might be a risk to them. And how they deal with it will depend on which blocks are left, which tools they've got in the toolbox. I understand. So basically, it's the best um, to have experiences by allowing dogs to mix, I guess, with other dogs and seeing Well, how... they need to meet in a controlled in, in the right way. Puppy playgroups were a big thing in, in the sort of 80s and 90s. Um, and they were they were great fun and the idea that you all take your puppies and let them run around and have fun but actually it's not always for the best you quite often get 
big confident puppies who annihilate the little nervous ones who learn to hide under chairs and rush out and ambush and things you know and basically the bullies learn to be better bullies and the victims learn to be um, victims or they learn to to retaliate so yes mixing is a really good thing but mixing with dogs of all ages and you select your dogs you select like you do with our children we encourage them to mix with those who set a good example I understand. So, so j- just coming back to the dogs that you have, I, I know you said that you have one particular dog that that doesn't mix with the other dogs. So, how d- are you building up for him to interact? King is or? King is a French bulldog, and um, I can now safely walk him as long as he's leashed with some of the dogs. But if he's just milling about with them, he will just very suddenly attack. He goes in, no warning, which unfortunately French bulldogs do sometimes mm. do. Uh, and because of their physical um, confirmation, sometimes you miss a warning as well. A very subtle change in posture isn't so noticeable in a dog whose whole body is wrong. Um, he will just dive in and grab something underneath and do a crocodile roll. Now, he always does it to bigger dogs, usually male dogs. It's not going to go down very well. And uh, so for his safety, and because we can't rehome him, we're not allowed to rehome him, we've decided to make his life as good as we can without constant mixing. Mixing where it's safe to do it. Um, and, and that's how I do it. I walk him with, with our dogs in the field on a long lead. I can reel him in if he gets too excited. I choose dogs who I can calm with my voice. So do you find that you have to wear protective clothing around dogs? No, you don't. No, no. So it's just it's just the way that you behave and the way that you respond. I've learned I've learned to, to pick up their body language um, and their emotional feelings, mm. and I know when to push forward or when to back off. And, yeah. I'm a great believer in time and confidence. And when we have very, very scared dogs, I will go and sit, I'll take a book and I read out loud. I just sit and read out loud with them. And it's amazing how quickly they start to investigate you and you have to pretend you haven't noticed. Um, and gradually their confidence will grow. But I believe if I do it at their pace, every step forward stays forward. If I push it... I think we're doing well, and then suddenly we go two steps back because something that I haven't predicted happens. It sounds like you're very empathic towards the the animal kingdom. Yes, I think I'm, I think I am. I find them easier to understand than humans. Yeah, you're a, you're an absolute earth angel. You are Fiona. Bless you, and and what a gift you are um, to King to be able, for him to still be here. Because I'm sure if that was the story somewhere else, he wouldn't be. Well, he's lucky to be alive. He had a team, a legal team, who fought very, very hard for him. It was clear he couldn't go back to his owner. There was an incident where he he bit a a child. It was an incident that was caused by irresponsibility by the adults there with overexcited children and overexcited dogs. It wasn't a bad bite. It was just in a rather awkward place, which was very emotive for everybody. And he was in police custody for 11 months. He came out with a mass on his shoulders the size of an orange which hadn't been treated um, because they thought he was going to be put to sleep anyway so we had that removed he was given 6 to 12 months on the lab tests from that Um, 
he's now more than 18 months on and he's doing fine. I, I have to say that um, a quality of life, whether it be for an animal or whether it be for a person, is utmost um you know especially if they're somewhere for 11 months that is a very 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 long time it's unusual for a french bulldog to cope so well in kennels like that as well i mean in a sense he's kenneled with us he has a room he has he has a, a little house that he can go inside he has an arm well there's two armchairs he has a covered area and an uncovered area outside with grass and trees um he has a sofa in the outside bit he has company every day two or three times a day and that is absolutely 100% based on him it's his and in some ways he probably gets more one-to-one than some pet dogs do mm. I have to say in a busy that, family yeah I have to say that you the you've shown that it's it's um an absolute must for the responsibility of dog owners um, or any animal owners, but certainly um, in this situation, the responsibility is um, is utmost important, isn't it? To, it is to, to own it when you when you have um, any animal and you are responsible for that animal and also t- for their behaviour. Really, you have to hold on to that, don't you, and be aware yourself. That's right, and parents are need to learn they need to teach their children how to behave as well as their dogs and if they don't have dogs it's even more important to teach their children how to behave children jumping about young children jump about they flap they squeal they suddenly twist and turn you know they'll break into dance or song or whatever very suddenly it's very difficult for dogs to understand that particularly if they've had bad experiences uh, when people move suddenly uh, we teach children to ask if they can stroke a dog we don't ask them we don't teach them to accept the answer I and i actually will you. say things sometimes when children come up and ask to stroke my dog i'll say i'm sorry not today he's got a headache mm. yeah. um ask me next time you see me yeah. you know uh, or I'll say to that, to, no, and the parents say, oh, but he likes dogs. And I'll say, well, that's fine, but, you know, it's national where you can't stroke my dog day. Sometimes I'll be a bit pedantic. And sometimes I'll say, you know, not all dogs like to be stroked. No. Your child needs to learn that. And, of course, generally, if I've got a dog out where there are children, it's the dog who does like children. Because I can use it to try and teach children a little bit about how to approach. So it's education on both sides. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you get a lot of people calling for dogs to be on a lead in all public places. Um, There's an argument for for children to be on leads as well, and that goes (laughs) up to teenagers. Um, If you compare the behaviours, the children are allowed to behave by society in an unpredictable way. They're allowed to run about and squeal and do what they like in the park. Dogs are no. That's, that's no, very children good point. don't bite. Yes, yes. But they can knock you over, trip you up, you know, bump into you, frighten your dog, or or even you if they're older. I understand. It's it's, it's about having responsibility on both sides. We all so. have to think of other people, other users of what the facility we're at, and behave accordingly. With you know, accordingly, yeah. Absolutely. I have to yeah. say that on the Facebook page, I did put, um, I believe it was Rupert, um, and I could see that he had a little bit of apparatus there to assist in his disability. 
That's right. Rupert has a doggy wheelchair. Rupert's a really sad case. He came to us from a local kennels where he'd been for several months. His owners, um, the wife had died or gone into care some previous time. The husband, he developed dementia over a period of time and he was, was taken for assessment and they decided he needed care. A dog was put into kennels. We've learned since we had him, we were told he was doubly incontinent when he came. We thought perhaps he'd recently gone off his legs. and Maybe it wasn't too late to operate. Um, you know, it's usually a disc problem with Daxies that can be fixed if it's caught early. Um, but we learned that it was far too late. He'd been off his legs for between five and seven years. We're not oh, exactly sure how long. Uh, we were, I also learnt from the son, who I don't think was particularly close and lives a long way away, that um, he didn't think Rupert was good with other dogs. Um, well, we've learned that it, Rupert loves other dogs. He gets in bed with any dog he can and snuggles up. Um, loves running around with them in his wheelchair. Um, it's too late for surgery, of course, but he isn't doubly incontinent. What he does need is a bit of help to fully empty his bladder. The vets are putting on some some new tablets to try and see if that helps strengthen the, the wall of his bladder so he can empty properly. But, you know, we help, we hold him up and, and help him express the last bit. And he's not fecally incontinent either, but obviously he can't stand up, so he needs help there. But he t- makes it very plain when he has these, these urges and we deal with it. Loves his wheelchair. Now, how did you really get... goes like the clappers. How, d- how did you get the wheelchair? I mean, is there, there something that you well, make? Well, I or? actually have got um, some. I've got three, a bigger dog one and two, a, a medium and a small one, which I kept meaning to donate to, to one of the charities that has disabled dogs, but, but I think because of COVID it never happened. So we actually had some, but you could buy them off the peg. I had a German Shepherd um, in the 80s who actually won Disabled Dog of the Year. She had doggy wheels, but we made hers with big knobbly BMX wheels, well, mountain bike <laughs> wheels, because she, she had the, the off-road variety for, for going all around Ashdown Forest. And, you know, worked brilliantly. Obviously, she was a, a stronger dog, so you had a heavier cart. But... Um, Oh, and Rupert bless. is absolutely delightful. He we he's he he had to have a massive dental because he had a mouthful of very rotten teeth that which should have affected the bones in his jaw. And um I'm very sadly his jaw got broken in extracting some of the teeth. So he has a wire in. That will be coming out in a couple of weeks' time. Um, I'm hoping that we'll be able to find him a a permanent home. He has obviously got extra needs um, and needs extra care, but he's an absolute delight. And Dax and owners aren't strangers to this problem, sadly. So how can people, if they they do feel that they're able to give... If they'd like to apply, drop us an email... I mean, we do have a questionnaire, but they need to sell themselves. You know, um, they need. There's a bit on the questionnaire that that says, you know, please explain 
why you think you're the best home for the dog. And I always say to people, use it because you know, very short answers don't tell us much. And the type of language you, you use does create an impression which might be completely the wrong one. Yeah, so it's, re- it's really about speaking from your heart and, and, and saying the truth of what you have to what offer What you could do, dog, what you could offer, it? yes. Yeah, yeah, what you can't cope with. When applying to rescue a dog, we always ask, you know, we give a list of such, such, some suggested behaviours, but what can and can't you cope with? Um, and there's nothing wrong with being honest. If you can't cope with a dog that's going to have accidents, say so. It's, it's not a crime. It's far better that you're realistic. Absolutely. And, then, and somebody who can... Then offer that home for um, a exactly, little pooch yeah. that is having accidents. Then at least that that can go to that home. Then I mean, Rupert hasn't had. He's had three accidents since we've had him. All three of those have been down me when I've been kept right at the beginning, when I was carrying him out and I carried him and inadvertently put pressure on his bladder. And he weed down me. It wasn't his fault. I carried him wrong. I would also was still learning the frequency that I needed to get him out. But you know, they said at the kennels that he just weed himself all the time. He, I put a puppy pad. I guess he's got a nice padded bed. I put a puppy pad on it in case he weed so that I didn't have to wash the whole bed every time. I've just thrown the puppy pad away. We've had him six, seven weeks. Okay. Um I've thrown the puppy pad away. It's disintegrated. It didn't get wet at all. Maybe it also could be, I guess, if he's quite... Would you say that he's he's happy in his environment now as well? I mean, I'm, oh, I'm sure that's Oh, he's so security. happy. I mean, sometimes, you know, with a dog like that, you wonder, you know, are we going to be able to give this dog a quality of life? Um, are we going to be able to give him what he needs? But he loves life. He loves going out in the car. He loves everybody. He adores children. I mean, my grandson is six. And he and Rupert, I mean, Oliver cries when he has to go home and leave Rupert. Oh, bless. I, I know you absolutely gonna... loves him. Oh, well... uh, Rupert loves Oliver. Oh, that that's... All of these stories that you're telling us are so He's all right endearing. with cats. You know, he's absolutely marvellous. My grandchildren are... Um, as my own children, my old, own children were kind of the test to see what dogs were like with kids. And of course, they're not like other kids because they're so used to dogs. But um, Ruby and Oliver are uh, six and almost 11. And uh, they are really learning incredibly well to be around. And they can be around pretty much all of the dogs we've got, obviously with supervision. But they have learned how to behave. The other one, Poppy, isn't quite so confident. But she actually has made friends with a couple of our most nervous dogs. Oh, all of these stories are so endearing, Fiona. So can I just ask, is it just dogs that you have or do you have any other animals? Primarily, we have two elderly horses, rescue horses. And we have three cats. Um, the cats um, belong to a lady that we supported who died, and they have a they have a catio. And uh, um, are they to be rehomed? Coming as well? with some of the dogs, uh, no, um, not unless we can find somebody who'll take all three um, and has um, an indoor accommodation. Okay, but the dogs are some of the dogs are. Um, uh, some of the dogs we've got. A few dogs at the moment that ha- they're not easy dogs, and we we do think that we 
We're at a point where we are considering the more experienced people who come along. They're mostly very big dogs. Unfortunately, you know, the, at the moment, the ones we've got who appear to be the most homeable have either bit very badly in the past and we can't take the risk again because we know away from their sanctuary, their behaviour does deteriorate. Or, as in the case of Alex, who's a Mastin, who... Uh, Spanish Mastiff, who was, I believe, attacked in the dog pound in Spain and uh, very badly injured underneath, and he lost his penis, and his urethra has been rerouted oh, to goodness. just below his anus. And he has periods of incontinence, um, and he's very prone to infection. He's a lovely chap, but the chances of finding somebody who can cope with him is probably quite slight it's quite funny because he cocks his leg and it pees behind so you have oh, to be careful where well you if, if anybody has fallen in love with him tonight and would like to apply then please get but in yeah we consider you know so these dogs we will consider adoptions and if we feel that they would have a better deal somewhere else we would go for it however we're not desperate to home them to make room for somebody else you know we don't work like that it has to be a step up uh, Fiona, we have another question coming in from Susan and she's she's asking that are you looking for volunteers or, or do you already have a team? Right, we have a small team. Volunteering is very difficult because of the, the history of some of our dogs. Um, we do sometimes have people come and walk some of the dogs. Um, but volunteering is quite difficult. We need people to volunteer to do boot fairs and things like that for us, to be honest. Okay. We we fight flooding, and we have done an awful lot of work to raise ourselves up out of it indoors, but we're still trying um, to sort out some outside areas. Okay. Well, please stay on the line once again. Um, again, to all of our listeners here tonight, if you do have any questions for Fiona, please get in touch and we'll find out off uh, Fiona shortly how we can aid in other ways. We're going to take it away with a little bit of pink and all I know so far. I haven't always been this way I wasn't born a renegade I felt alone, still feel afraid I stumble through it anyway I wish someone would have told me that this life is ours to choose No one's handing you the keys or a book with all the rules The little that I know I'll tell you When they dress you up in lies and you're left naked That's all I know so far. So you might give yourself away. Yeah. And pay full price for each mistake. But when the candy coating hides the razor blade, 
the wonderful pink there now we do have fiona on the line and we also have our lovely lisa in the studio as well and lisa you were commenting weren't you yeah um i think it probably about 12 years ago i got a dog from the dog's home the kids were driving me mad wanted a dog uh, so we took several visits. You know, they're very good. They make sure the dog's going to good homes. They come out, visit your home, make sure the garden's appropriate, your home's appropriate, you're decent people. So, you know, you pay a fee because they chip the dog, give it all the injections, etc. So I was very ignorant. And Fiona, what you said about parents need to educate their children in as much as dogs, but for the education tragic things happen my story is i took the dog for a walk i didn't know really its temperament the dog was about two years old it was a staff um so out walking boy on his bike he went straight to the boy and bit his leg 
Uh, that was dealt with, um, you know, a couple of weeks after that, the dog was in the bedroom with my daughter, my youngest daughter. She bent down to kiss him whilst he was asleep. He latched onto her face, wouldn't let go. She ended up losing half a top lip and oh, a severe, yeah, and a nose. She had to pl- have plastic surgery. They did a wonderful job and you would hardly notice. I mean, it's 12 years ago. But, so the moral of that story really is... Parents do need to say, right, I wish I'd have known you then, Fiona, because maybe that wouldn't have happened, unfortunately. I wish I'd known you too. Yeah, I had to have the dog put down. We thought we was doing the right thing, being kind, taking a dog in that we thought needed a home. You You know, and and I was absolutely devastated. We had to put the dog down. It's not what I had it for. We wanted it as a family dog. It was a beautiful dog. And it had a lovely temperament. But for, you know, this boy on the bike and being disturbed from its sleep, uh, you know, that was a horrible experience. We have another dog now, which we've learnt better. We all love the dog and it's a different scenario. But that, you are absolutely spot on. Parents need to educate children in and you're right when you say you're not being rude you, you you're not you're saving a child from plastic surgery or you know or from a dog being yeah, put down but for the education so firstly you know I, I i admire you tremendously you're absolutely an amazing woman sitting here listening to your story all the time you truly love these dogs like they are humans it's yeah, it incredible comes across, to hear it? yeah. it, it's lovely to hear you, you're unique really there's not a lot of people out there um you know and just big pat on the back it's some lucky that there are people in the world like you fiona honestly oh, so uh, thank, thank you, you for yeah. having the courage to take responsibility and do the right thing when you had to yeah. uh, you know, there's a shortage of places for dogs like that to be safe unfortunately there were aspects of his temperament that hadn't been picked up that could have happened again he could have been passed on and on and on and on lots of people could have been hurt he could have been beaten and all sorts as a result you know i'm not in favor of euthanasia it's not something i do lightly i've had to do it twice because dogs have just really not been safe in any shape or form but at least, you know, I knew that the end was peaceful with somebody that cared about them. Yes, yeah. And, and you know, do, yeah. But just ignorance, you know, ig- ignorance and you, you, basically that was the failure of it, you know. I think it's also, I know we said about educating children, but I think it's yeah. also about educating the adults, isn't it? Oh, it's educating, because, it's educating yeah. everybody, isn't it, really? It is. You know, I mean, how often do you hear people say, give the dog a kiss goodnight? Mm. Yeah. Are you going to give him a kiss? You know, and and it's where those of us who have dogs who are nice dogs and who like children, we can do a lot to help. When we meet children who want to talk to our dogs, we can talk to them. We can change our language and our approach to suit the age group, and we can explain. You know, some dogs don't like that, so it's always a good idea to do this. Yes. Oh, you, you, as as Lisa said, you're an amazing, amazing inspiration and um, and a very lovely lady with a very warm heart. You can you can yes. Yeah, sorry, tell that. J- just one more thing, Fiona. You, you yeah. are obviously so busy. And when I phoned you a few weeks ago, just simply picking up the phone and having the time to talk to me when you've got all those dogs, you know, it's just something else as well. And you're here, and you know, hopefully 
we can help promote some sort absolutely of thing because here. you do work on um donation basis don't you fiona we do yes yeah tell us a little bit about that so our listeners are able to help well, in some way we've we've got a wonderful team now running a a Facebook page called Lizzie's Barn Sanctuary Supporters and they have have a running auction going and they do flash auctions as well. Uh, We've got some lovely people who um, donate some wonderful items like laptops and tablets and things which um, go and smart watches and all sorts that, that go on the flash auctions but we also have people donating unwanted new or new quality items, unwanted presents, perhaps things like that, which are auctioned off. And many of them only go for four or five pounds, but it adds up, makes a massive difference. Uh, we we do get some food donations from members of the public. We do ask them to donate tinned food because we have to keep the dog's diet quite consistent. Otherwise, we get upset bellies. And mm-hmm. diet can play a um, a role in behaviour problems as well. So we actually feed a particular complete and then we we have two or three makes of tin food. It gives details on our website. So um, what would you actually recommend then to somebody that um, is looking, you know, with, with regards to the nutrition for their dogs? Well, basically, the, the more expensive the food... The more, more information you tend to get on the ingredients and the less likely they are to change. But we can't all afford premium foods. Um, I, I always say avoid foods that have a lot of colouring in them because uh, we've noticed, I'm not going to name brands of food, but two popular foods that are readily available in supermarkets and tend to be 